0: BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership
1: with OCR Bunny and OCR Strong. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Welcome to BeastNet. How have you been?
2: Oh, I have been exhausted. I had COVID last week. Oh no. I was fine. It was like a cold for a day and a half. I lost my taste for all of an hour. I had a little bit of soreness in... um, my shoulder, but I had had like I tweaked a nerve Mm -hmm. a couple days before. So then when I woke up and I had like a minor sore throat and my shoulder was for some reason worse when it was getting better. I was like, I think I should probably test. And then it was sore for a couple of days. And then I woke up one day and my body was feeling great. I had awesome energy. Um my cold was gone. I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then I went running on Saturday and I have a Phoenix. So it told me that I had an anaerobic effect on Saturday, even though I was staying, you know, zone two, zone three running. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's weird. I shouldn't have had an anaerobic effect from that. And then I, my cough was pretty bad on Saturday. And then Sunday I woke up, I went for a run and no anaerobic effect, all aerobic, No cough. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I had to just kick whatever was still residual in the lungs out of it, and now I'm back and better than ever.
1: That's good. That's good. I know I did. I've I went through because like with the the whole idea of us moving, we're like cleaning out the house, doing a bunch of stuff, and I found a drawer where I like a whole bunch of like virtual races that I'd bought and just kind of throw in a drawer. (laughs) I have this entire drawer of like virtual medals that I've never earned, and I'm like, huh. Guess I have some stuff to do. So it's just been kind of one of those things. I did one with a friend on you know, over the weekend. But the one thing I found is I don't know it's because I've been slacking a little bit since September. So I've gained a little bit, but I mean not not I'm not nowhere near where I was, but mm-hmm. I've gained a little bit back. But I mean, I was having a lot of problems keeping my heart rate down. Okay. Like, yeah. The second I would start running and start moving, my heart rate was jumping up to like 170, 175. And I'm like, okay, wow. I'm trying to get this down. And I was having a lot of problems keeping it below. You know, I was trying to keep it below 150, but it was like the second I tried to like move, if I did anything more than like a fast walk, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, my heart rate was just skyrocketing. So it was very interesting, very different. I mean, I was, I did have weight. I did have the pack because I was part of the challenge and the thing, but I mean, it was only 20 pounds. It wasn't a whole lot that that I would think that more than a brisk walk would make it jump like that, but it was quite interesting. I was keeping it like around 140, 145 at a brisk walk. okay. Yeah.
2: Have you been doing any kind of heart rate training?
1: No, not really. And that's kind of the one thing that I've been trying to get into more of is paying attention to that because- I think that's where I'm having the problems, like yep. with a lot of the stuff. And I really started noticing, you know, this year was my heart rate jumping up. And mm-hmm. then, of course, once the heart rate goes up, you start losing the breathing, you start losing everything else along with it. Right. So for me, it's, you know, I've been trying to get that heart rate. And then all of a sudden, now that I'm paying it, and it's one of those things, I, it may be this may be something that's always happened to me. And
2: I've just never looked. It's usually a sign of deconditioning. Yeah. So if you haven't, had that aerobic base built already, or you haven't been conditioned to be able to sustain like specific heart rates, then you're going to have a harder time getting it under control at first. Mm -hmm. And some people, it takes a couple of years to really grasp full heart rate control. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately it comes down to your breathing techniques your running or aerobic work in general and then just being stubborn AF and just sticking with it even though you know that like you're going way too slow for what you're used to. Sometimes you just gotta do it.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what I need to work on because I want to get, you know, in my brain I keep thinking, you know nine, 10 minute miles, that's what I should be doing. And I'm like, yeah, but I've really taken, you know, I I was already, I was dealing with injuries for most of the summer. So I was already slowed down. And then after September, I took a break and I've really taken more of a break than I planned on, but now it's like trying to get back into it. So it's like telling myself, like, you know, I'm not where I was a year ago, Mm -hmm. not where I was nine months ago. So it's like, I've got to get my brain back into that, like working myself back. Yep. To where I was. And that, that's kind of one of those things. That's kind of what I was, I was thinking that it's just, it's a matter of I'm, I'm out of condition. I haven't been conditioning. I haven't been working on that breathing. I haven't been, you know, running and doing the cardio. I've been doing more, you know, a little bit more weight stuff, push ups, other stuff, the stuff that's on the. you know, the list that you gave me, but not the running portion. I haven't been doing that as much as I'm supposed to, because I just, one, of course, excuses, excuses, time. I I've been super busy. And I, I just haven't been making the time that I should be for it. So now it's a matter of, you know, getting in my brain and remembering, okay, how do we do this? You know, listening, following the plan, not picking and choosing what I want to do on the plan and actually following it fully.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. See, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's always the tough part is getting the motivation and the structure down and the discipline and saying, okay, just
1: gonna stick with it. Yeah, and it's been tough because it's it's so easy to come up with excuses, you know, with everything else going in life. It's like, oh, I've got to get this done for you know, the house. I got to do all this, and I've got all this stress. And it's like, but then I think back to it, and I'm like, the whole reason I started running was sort of stress.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was my stress reliever. And it's like now I'm using that as an excuse not to run because I'm stressed. I'm like, I know if I get back to a point where I can breathe correctly and I've got the heart rate down. And when I was running, you know, 30 minute, you know, 5Ks just for fun, you know, and getting down under 30 minutes all the time, I was actually, my stress level was way down because that's how I released it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. sometimes,
2: Sometimes when it comes down to heart rate and breathing, whatever else, if you notice that your heart rate is getting too high. Instead of thinking, okay, I need to slow down or whatever else, just give yourself a deep exhale. Say, okay, just exhale. See if you can bring your heart rate down naturally. Don't get stressed out about, you know, oh my gosh, my heart rate's so high and how am I going to pull this down? Just say, okay, just exhale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, can just slowing your breathing down slow your heart rate? And more times than not, the answer is yes. Yes.
1: And that's me. I need to, I need to work on it Cause like we've talked before, I've, I've had asthma my entire life. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: if I allow myself to let that breathing go out of control, sometimes it's really hard to get it back. Yep. Sometimes I have to remember too, where it's more the anxiety of it sometimes, which makes it yep. worse because then all of a oh, sudden, yeah. Oh crap! My breathing's going bad. I need to fix it. I need to do this. I need to do this, and now I can't stop thinking about it. And now my anxiety's getting kicked in. And I think that's where I was running into problems when I was doing the swimming, where we talked about that, where it was mm-hmm. like my breathing wasn't necessarily a physical problem. I mean, it was, but it was a physical problem brought on by a mental issue, where you know, and I don't mean mental issue is in yay, but you you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was my anxiety was kicking up, and that anxiety was making me the breathing even worse. And that's why I think like when the Ironman, where I've mentioned before, I felt like my swim was great because I stopped for a second and did exactly what we said, took a couple of deep breaths, got my mental and physical under control. And then all of a sudden you can like, you know, if you looked at my, you know, the the Garmin stats, you can see where all of a sudden I stopped and then everything, like all my times, like got so much better. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've got to get back to with the running. So I know I can do it. I've done it. So
2: I mean even just adding in a couple like breathing techniques in the day like just sit down for five minutes and practice deep breathing count your breaths you know hand on your belly hand on your heart feel where you're getting the air and what part of your body is rising that will help <laughs> to refocus that breathing that'll help with the heart rate I mean coming off of COVID last week I, I said you know my I got an anaerobic benefit on Saturday. I could tell that I wasn't getting air into my lungs Mm -hmm. like I normally would. And then I I tried not to stress it on Saturday because I was like, well, it's my first day back from COVID. Sunday, no problems at all. Tuesday, I went out for a tempo run and I started my first tempo segment. I knew where I needed to get to for my heart rate. And I absolutely hate where I run by my house. It's so boring it's just miserable. (laughs) And I got into the field portion out by the river and I turned the corner and next thing I knew it, it felt like I was choking or I was having a panic attack. My, I had a couple shallow breaths and I was starting to get a little panicky. I'm like, okay, exhale, exhale, really trying to get out of my head. And then I'm running and my head shifts to somewhere else and my breathing just recentered and i was able to go and sustain and for my first tempo segment back after covid my times like my pacing was pretty much spot on maybe actually a little bit faster than it was just before i had caught covid um there is a lot to be said about what you're listening to while you're doing your cardio as well. So I know some people, you know, they determine playlists based on the cadence that they want or whatever Mm -hmm. else. But a lot of times if you're focusing so much on cadence or you're focusing so much on, you know, that metronome beats per minute, whatever else, It's pushing you too much and it's getting your heart rate too high when, you know, if you're thinking you want to stay in zone two, you should be able to have a conversation. So I've gotten to the point where I listen strictly to podcasts when I run. And it's so I can feel like I'm part of the conversation. But then because, and I mean, at least for me, since I listen to music that screams at me.
0: Mm -hmm. listening
2: Mm -hmm. to a podcast, I can actually hear myself breathe. I can hear myself think I can, you know, I have better control over what's going on internally, because I don't have something, you know, drowning out the sounds of myself. So I can hear my steps, I can hear my breathing, I can, you know, really sync up with my pulse and everything else. And that helps recenter me and it helps me to hit my benchmarks until there's an ad on a podcast that I listen to. And then it makes me really upset and my heart rate goes back up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, see, that's me. I listen to music. I have like, for me, it's always been one of those things and it started years ago and I I haven't got it set up again. I'd have set up again when I had you because I'm old and I had MP3s. You know the mp3 player and i set it up in a Wait, way that,
2: i had an mp3 player are you calling me old
1: no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my mp3 i set it up so that when certain songs kicked on i knew what time i knew my my time was because like i didn't have a watch i didn't have i mean i had a watch but i didn't have like the the garments like they do now <laughs> whatever whatever everyone uses um so I didn't really have that to keep track. So I would have it. So all of a sudden I knew when I was running, if I was going to do a 5k, if I heard a certain song, I knew I should have been at mile three. And if I wasn't, my pace was too low or I was, if I was ahead of that, I was doing really good. So those were some of the things that I would do a lot of times was just keep track of the, the songs would tell me I set them up in a way so that I could see what time it was, just what time I was at, just by listening to the right, what song was on. So but for me, I also have a thing of like certain songs that I can tell which ones I'm listening to by my pace and I can watch sometimes the pace like there, there's certain ones that I know which ones like for zone two, I would probably the who, not mm-hmm. the not WHO, the other who, H-U, they have their music is very cadence.
2: Okay, as
1: a good has a good beat to it and it's you know I can run to that beat and usually do okay but then all of a sudden like motorhead will kick on and I'm like zone like 12 but I mean so it's I've really got to watch that because if when I'm listening like you said you listen to music you start running to the beat of the music and then if it's too fast like you know some of the ACDC motorhead stuff like that I'll start taking off to where I'm like oh I need to slow down Mm
0: -hmm. and I
1: usually mind it'll be I'll set it up with one right after the other. Like I'll have a, a faster paced and then drop into something not like, you know, I'm not going to go into, you know, like I love ballad, but drop into something a little less, you know, more calm and then back up to a faster base and try and get that, you know, but I I like the idea of the podcast because that, like you said, that's one thing I don't get. I can't, I mean, I can kind of hear my breathing because my headphones aren't in my ear. I have the bone conduction so I can hear stuff around me, but. Okay. Uh, yeah this might be an interesting one I listen to the podcast I haven't thought of that I listen to that when I drive but so I do yeah a lot
2: of I, I like it because I'm not I don't have to really focus on it I mm-hmm. can hear what's being said it can you know keep me from being bored especially on my absolutely miserable you know trail up by my house but then it, it definitely does help put me in a headspace of okay i'm working here i'm i have to pay attention Mm -hmm. to what i'm doing what's going on i can't just get lost i i need to sync up with all of this and really stick to the plan because if i listen to music when i lift and that's when i'm like i can just get lost and you know If I'm really in the zone and I'm right now I'm max strength for my lifts. So if I'm, you know, deadlifting and 235 is feeling phenomenal, I'm like, yeah, let's throw on some more weight. Let's just do this. And that music is that motivation for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't want that to happen if I'm sticking in zone two or even when I'm into zone five for you know, my sprints, my hills, all that kind of stuff. If I say, yeah, I'm so motivated, I'm just going to get lost in this music and it pushes me and I, you know, max out when I have, you know, two more minutes left on my hill interval, I'm going to die. So I need to be able to refocus myself and learn how to pace versus just push as hard as I can for as fast as I can. Cause I know that that is not how I am going to learn to control my heart rate,
1: and that's my thing. Like, like you said, I need to learn how to pace, and that has always, always been one of my biggest problems. Mm-hmm. Is because I get stuck looking at times. So I'll sit there, and if all of a sudden I'm looking at my watch and it's showing that I'm not pacing where I should be, you know, even when I've done marathons, I'm looking at the the what what mile I'm at, how far I've gone, and where I am compared to where I. Sh- Feel I should be, you know, looking at okay, I want to finish in this amount of time. You know, am I there or do I need to start picking up the pace? Do I need to slow down? And if I'm behind, I start picking up to a pace to where something I can't sustain. And I know, and I've done it in the past where I push myself to a point as something I can't sustain, and then all of a sudden I'm I I start losing actually more than I'm gaining because I have to keep stopping to try and breathe because I'm pushing myself beyond what I can sustain. So, and that's a hard part.
2: So why do you care about pacing so much?
1: I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things. I'm sure it's something that sometime in my life, that was what I was told was the measurement. And in my brain, that's that's the measurement that my brain keeps saying is pacing in time. So I've got to be done by this time. So my brain will put, do the math, say, okay, if I want to be done, you know, if I want to do a marathon in less than five hours, I got to do keep this pace. And then I'll do the math while I'm running and say, okay, I'm beyond, I'm not at that pace. I'm going too slow. I need to step it up. And then I'll push myself till I can't anymore and try and like, and my problem too is I'm not good at just keeping like finding, okay, I need to be at this pace and keep this pace. It's more of, I'm going to take a break for five minutes. And now that I've done that, now I got to run faster to keep, get back to the pace I was, should be at. And that's where I make mistakes.
2: Now I agree, like, if you are setting a goal in a marathon and I literally just had this conversation with a client yesterday because her goal was a sub five hour marathon over the weekend and as we're talking she said what pace what did I need to run for that and I said that's a problem, if you just went into this marathon with your goal of sub five hours you spoiler alert she didn't hit it and Now we're talking about how your race went. And your first question is what pace was I supposed to run? That should have been the first thing on your mind, Mm -hmm. but in training, I didn't want her to hit that pace at all in any of her training. She had very specific goals for all of her training runs, whether it was, you know, her zone two runs. And I did give her, you know, miles versus time because she was running on the road, but, you know, she had heart rate goals for her tempo runs. She had heart rate goals for her speed work. And I didn't want her focusing on what pace she was going to go because the roads here in Boston are going to be slightly different than what she was going to be running for the marathon. So you can't always be running based on that pace that you want to be hitting and as us who are predominantly obstacle course racers you know trail runners whatever else we know that a beast in hawaii is going to be different than the beast in florida which is a different yeah. than a beast in vermont so if you say i want a sub two and a half hour half marathon or a sub two and a half hour beast which pr- that's awesome. You're probably not going into Vermont saying I want sub two and a half hours, but if you're training for two and a half hours, depending on what trail you're getting, you're getting varying mileage goals, yeah, and varying elevation profiles and whatever else. And I guarantee you, your pace in Florida is going to be a hell of a lot better than your pace in Hawaii, which is a hell of a lot better than your pace in Vermont. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be dwelling so much on this pace and especially for where we are at in the season right now. And this is another conversation that I had with one of my clients where he wrote to me and said, this is where I'm at with my program. This is where my running has been at. I'm seeing a lot of strength gains. My running is staying consistent at you know, I'm hitting my heart rate goals. My pacing hasn't really changed. And I said, I do not care about your pacing right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like we are in the off season slash early, early preseason. We are not focusing on how fast you're running. I am focusing on making sure that your you have your heart rate back under control and that you can sustain and hit your markers where we need it to. Your strength training is specific to injury prevention. We are gaining as much strength as humanly possible. We are not working explosiveness. We're not working power. We do incorporate some speed work, but we are not focusing on you know putting the icing on the cake for that speed. We are not doing any workouts that is going to maximize your speed potential. We are actually in that quote unquote bulking phase. So if you're bulking, there's the possibility that you're putting on a little bit more weight. You're putting on more muscle, you know, muscle fibers, muscle mass. We're gaining strength, gaining size, because when we get closer to the season, that's when our speed is going to come on. That's when our power is going to come on. That's when we're going to cut weight and we are going to be in that quote unquote race shape. So. I could care less where your speed is at in January if your season is not starting until March, April, May. We have time to build speed. Mm -hmm. So if you're not hitting your pace goals right now, I don't care. That pace is going to come on when we work on it. But that is not the goal right now. We have to look at our race season as a full year. And if we're, if we have the foot on the gas all year long, we're just going to burn out. You have to, you know, build the engine back up. You have to strengthen the nuts and bolts before you can really start testing yourself with the speed, the power, the explosiveness, and see where your pacing truly is.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. And And that's what I need to work on myself. Oh. Just get back out there and get moving and get to because that's a big thing. Like I and I completely agree with the, you know, the the depending on where you're at, because like my best marathons, four hours, 39 minutes. But that was a complete straight downhill, like Mm -hmm. straight. I mean, it wasn't a steep downhill. It was enough that I mean, not enough that it hurt my knees, but enough that I felt it in my quads. But four hours and 39 minutes, my best marathon you know then like a year and a half later I did another marathon and did it in 540 so an hour took me an hour longer but it was a marathon that was an up and down you Mm -hmm. know completely different style different you know like you said different elevation you know set up everything else where the first one it was like negative 3,000 feet (laughs) and the second (laughs) one where I did you know in uh you know five hours or what it was 540 it was Uh, I think I, it was like 1200 feet of gain over throughout the whole thing. So it was kind of, I mean, a huge different elevation, you know, idea, but, and that's kind of one of those things where I think a lot of people miss. And like you're saying is where they get stuck on that pacing of, I should be doing this. Usually for me, it was kind of one of those ones. I had like my 5k that I did around here. So it was like, it was the same one over and over again, but you still get different, you know, weather, you know, heat, cold, if it's cold out for me, it's a lot harder sometimes for me to breathe. So it's kind of one of those things that, you know all different factors. So, I mean, it's a matter of just getting out there and keep moving.
2: Exactly. And that was, again, this conversation that I had with my client yesterday, she went out and ran the Disney marathon. She's ran the Disney marathon before Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and she has done the Disney marathon now twice. And then she ran the Boston marathon in 2018 when there were torrential downpours. It was like one of the worst history weather days in Boston since I don't even know well before my time and she hit a PR in her marathon we got we started talking and I said congratulations on your PR I think you underperformed and she said what why why would you say that I said well your goal was sub five hours and she's like yeah but and she was saying all this stuff I'm like I we, I know why you didn't hit that, but your PR was coming off of the Boston Marathon when it, it had the worst weather of modern mm-hmm. times. And you just ran the Disney Marathon. And by all right, Disney is much flatter than Boston. Yeah. said, this was a layup for a PR. So while congratulations, I'm happy you hit your PR, I think- There are other factors that were in play that held you back during this. And we can't get caught up on, oh, well, I just want a PR. That's why we where we set these goals and set plans. And ultimately, I had to have the conversation with her about, you know, I had told you, don't go to the parks before your race. You know, focus on your recovery, focus on your taper you know, get rest, get hydration, do not walk around the parks. Um, you know, you knew what the weather was going to be like going into it. Um, so try to mimic as much as you can, maybe wear additional clothing when you're getting your runs in the cold, that kind of stuff. Um, it turns out she was out at the parks every day leading up to it. She, she had walked like 21,000 steps on Saturday before the race on Sunday And I said, listen, I know you love Disney. I said, just please don't go to the parks in the days leading up. Just take a rest. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't do as much as I normally would. I said, yeah, but you still went and you were on your feet all day. Said, I think you cared more about the vacation than you did about the race. And so coming out of this and saying, oh, well, I hit a PR. When the goal in and of itself was an even more substantial PR, we need to start reevaluating those goals. Remember, race comes before vacation, race, take the vacation afterwards. Yeah. And um, we were able to use this as a lesson on, you know, how to race plan, how to set goals, um, how to pace ourselves. And just reframe our thinking behind the entire racing situation.
1: And I think a lot of people forget that. And I think that's one mm-hmm. of the things, one of the biggest things I had problems with with traveling a lot for races. Like the first couple of times I went to Hawaii, it was, you know, we're in Hawaii, you're going to the bars, you're going out with friends, and then it's like, yeah, but now I got to do a trifecta weekend. Yeah. You know? So a lot of people are surprised because, like, for a long time, I mean, I would. I was talking to someone about this uh, on the podcast the other day. I want to say I'm an alcoholic or been an alcoholic. I can drink and I can, I can drink or not drink. It doesn't really matter to me, Mm -hmm. but for a long time, it was a big part of like who I was. Like Mm -hmm. if I went somewhere, I wasn't getting like sloppy, knocked down drunk, but I was having two or three drinks, you know? So when we'd go to Hawaii, I would drink, you know, a couple mai tais, whatever, like two or three a day, you know, because we're on vacation. That's what you're supposed Mm -hmm. to do, you know, in my brain. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm wondering why the one year when all of a sudden I'm completely like retaining water, my feet are like almost twice the size they should have been. Oh, maybe because I was drinking alcohol, eating food I'm not normally used to. All this stuff that I shouldn't have been doing right before a race. And then like the next year when everything was fine and everyone's like, what was the difference? I'm like, I didn't drink alcohol for the week leading up. I just drank, you know, water and hydration and, you know, noon tablets and whatever else, you know, I had, and I ate foods that I'm normally used to eating. I went to the store, bought, you know, stuff at the store because we had a condo where I could cook at and cooked at the condo, did all this, didn't go out and get these fancy, you know, steak dinners and everything else. And then the day of the race, amazingly I wasn't all swelled up I wasn't having problems I didn't have it because I was eating what I normally did and then after the race I would do the stupid stuff but and that's one of the things I learned really quickly was sometimes if you're going for a trip that's why most time usually we do like a Wednesday to Wednesday so I can get a couple days to acclimate and then have a couple days after to sell to to vacation because Mm -hmm. if you vacation beforehand like you said now I've just you know go walk around the beach, go do all this stuff and get all these steps in and do everything else. I'm using the muscles that I'm supposed to be saving for race day.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's what I told her. I said, you know, you're going to go to the parks. I get that.
1: Mm-hmm. Save
2: it for after. If, you know, you do what's within your limit on any given day. If you wake up, a day or two before a race and you feel great. And you're like, I can spend all day on my feet because I have that energy. My body's not sore, whatever else. So you go, you utilize all that energy. You're taking that energy and you're not replenishing it because you're not Mm -hmm. giving your body the rest. You're probably not giving its proper fuel. If you're spending all day at an amusement park, you're probably not getting as much hydration as you would have been. You're spending all day in the sun, you're sweating, all this other stuff. But if you go after your race, you're only working within your capacity right then and there. So you're not going to be moving at the, as quickly as you would have been pre-race. So, you know, you're still stretching out your legs, you're getting them moving, but you're pacing yourself. And again, not going as quickly, but then you can can also replenish your calories with a little less of the guilt Mm -hmm. because you know, Hey, maybe you have some chicken fingers and, You know, you stop at Epcot to grab a beer or whatever else. I don't care. Um, But then like planning the couple days after, you're also then not cramming your body into an airplane seat. You're not having to lug around suitcases, lift things into overhead bins. You're not having to run errands as you get back to your house. Mm -hmm. And you're not forcing yourself to go right back into the grind of a work week. And that in of itself, it, it adds so much more stress and you're not allowing your body that proper time to recover. That same client, um, commented today and said, I was doing my active recovery and my hips started hurting just randomly. It started hurting. I said, well, you flew home the day after the race and you said you had a nightmare getting home. You went right back to work on Tuesday morning. You got in your little active recovery and then you had to go and run errands. You had to grocery shop. You had to go get your laundry done. You had to do all of this stuff and you didn't give your body the rest it needed.
0: No, Your and- body
2: needs days of recovery and even if me as a coach, I'm going to program some active recovery. i anticipating that you're going to slow down on life a little bit more
1: yeah and that's one thing like you know like, <sighs> like usually we do after the races we'll do some touristy stuff we'll go to we love going to the zoos we'll go to the zoo whatever walk around but i mean and sometimes <laughs> i i've measured it a few times sometimes the zoo it'll end up being six or seven miles but mm-hmm. it's it's a slow walk It's a nice, relaxing sit down every once in a while, relax. I mean, it's six or seven miles, but we'll take six or seven hours Mm
2: -hmm. just roaming
1: around, sit down, relax, do stuff, you know, and stuff like that. But I try not to do that before the races. Yeah. And then, like you said, you don't fly home for a few days because that's the worst. I've done a couple of times. I did uh, Hawaii once where we did the race and then flew home like the day after. And the entire ride, the entire flight, my legs are cramping. My hips are, you know, out of whack. Nothing feels good. And I mean, that's a, you know, three, four hour flight because normally you fly actually to like California and then up to the Northwest. So the whole time, I mean, it's miserable. And I found, yeah, if you wait three or four days, you know, get some of that active recovery. And like you said, don't push too hard. Sometimes I probably do, but (laughs) don't push too hard, but just get that active recovery. And then it's so much better traveling.
2: And again, it, No matter what you're doing, you're working within your body's limits. Your body is going to tell you if you're doing too much. Mm -hmm. But if you're going right back to work and you're finding that, you know, your body's hurting when you're doing the, you know, your active recovery, it's because, you know, you're commuting in and out of the city for us, at least you are standing around waiting for trains. You're walking from the subway to your office you're walking around the office you know maybe you're cramming yourself into work clothes while your body is swollen mm-hmm. you might be throwing on shoes that your body doesn't really want to be wearing right now all because you have to fit into this mold of you know the work day versus i'm just going to hang out in some yoga pants and lay by the pool or even i'm going to walk around the zoo in you know, my yoga pants, because I wear yoga pants everywhere. And my sneakers, yeah. your feet are going to be a hell of a lot happier in sneakers than they would be in ballet flats, high heels, even for men, like I'd have never worn men's dress shoes, but I'd imagine there are some that aren't that comfortable.
1: Yeah, there's some, some that are comfortable, even boots. If you get the wrong boots, you know, that's one thing for me where I'm lucky for what I do. I can wear tennis shoes because normally I'm teaching. I'm just in a normal building. Sometimes I do have to put the boots on and go to a job site. I had one of I can't remember what race it I did, but it was one that I was wrecked afterwards. My legs hurt, just everything. And like the next day, I actually had to go stand be on a job site. So I had to put on my boots, put on all my gear and then go walk around, climb up on the roof and all that. And I'm like, well, this was bad planning <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: where normally it's like, I'll go and I do pace when I walk, when I teach, I stand up. I'm not a sit down teacher. I p- pace in front of the classroom, talk and all that, but I can lean against something, relax, but it's a nice, I know if my body, if I'm pushing too hard, I can sit down. Yeah. You know, while I'm doing that. But sometimes if all of a sudden I have to go to a job site, And I know I'm going to have to be at a job site. I'm going to not push too hard over the weekend because I know if I have to go climb ladders and climb scaffold and climb up on top of a roof, I don't want to be wrecked.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, my clients know if I was racing on the weekend, they might help load up weight a little bit more than they normally do. Or, you know, we might be doing more mat based work and I might, you know, take a knee right next to them or whatever else. I'm, we, I might be getting a little bit more mobility while they're getting some more mobility. And a lot of people don't have that luxury. And I think people get so wrapped up in, I want to travel for these races or, you know, I have a three day weekend, so I'm going to quickly fit this in, go somewhere else and then get right back into work on Monday, Tuesday morning, and we're shortchanging our recovery. And in my client's case, she front-loaded her vacation as opposed to backloading it. And she said, okay, I'm gonna get the vacation in before the race. And it hindered her performance on race day. Mm-hmm. So that was the conversation we had to have. I said, one, I think Disney races aren't good for you anymore you're beyond that point you love disney too much that it's like a blinder for you you care more about the disney than you do about the race so let's find races that are away from disney you can go to disney on your own vacation time that's fine you do you but let's not race at disney because you're putting more emphasis on the disney and then if you're going to continue to travel for races Fly out a day or two before, you know, go to the expo, go pack it, pick up whatever you need to the day before, if that's a thing, and then spend time recovering, you know, sit by a pool or sit in a hot tub, get a little bit extra mobility. We're going to do some active, you know, shakeout runs, whatever else, but the day before should be focused completely on Recovery, you know, meditate, get in good foods, make sure you're set for race day, go do your race, and then plan a day or two of unwinding after the race, and whatever that looks like for each individual person, and then go back to normalcy. We can't be shortchanging on either side of the ends.
1: Yeah. No. And I, and for me, it was one of those ones, like I said, for me, normally it was, I would try depending, especially depending on what's going on. If I was going somewhere hotter, I would try and get there at least a couple of days. I know it takes a week to two weeks to acclimate. I know, but, but mm-hmm. at least get a day or two of acclimation, just a little bit to get used to, you know, cause a lot of times the big problem that I'll have, is if I go into a hotter environment, I start to like retain water. So I'll get there a couple of days, make sure I'm drinking hydrated, make sure I'm ready to go, you know, and then take a couple of days after to make sure that, you know, I can relax, like you said, because I did it the other way. Like I've said, well, I've done and had the races beat the end of the vacation. Because um, the biggest problem I was worried about when I was, you know, bigger and not in as good a shape is that if I did all this stuff after the races, I'm going to be so wrecked that I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, if I'm going to be that wrecked, then maybe I should train harder for the races. Um, and once I changed that thought process, then it started to get better because that was my biggest worry is I've, because I've had ones where I just wrecked myself so bad that after the days after the race, I was useless, mm-hmm. you know, and, but like I said, then when I started training harder where it's like, okay, I can handle this and then still be able to, you know, and nothing hard, but like you said, go take a walk at the zoo, stuff like that, stuff that's fun. But I can take it easy, you know, where, like I said before, I've had a couple of times like Hawaii, like I said, where my feet swelled so bad. The next day, my feet were so messed up. We went out to dinner and I could barely like walk from the car to the, the boat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, OK, so now and instead of the, where the old thought process was, oh, I'll just make sure that the, the races are at the end of it. But then I'm like, do I want to get on a plane and deal with it after my body's that wrecked? oh well, yeah i'm like no so it's like hmm, maybe i should just start training and actually you know <laughs> be in yeah. better shape for them
2: <laughs> yes oh. i like that philosophy let's what a thought with process that one. <laughs> yeah yeah if you can't walk after a race unless for some reason you got injured of course but if you oh. are just yeah. get you know wrecking yourself to the point where you can't move Maybe well, let's reevaluate yeah. our training.
1: And that, that was the year. That was when I was still like a, a big boy. Um, I think I was 290 going into that race. Wow. Yeah. My my biggest, I was like about 310. And I was about 290 going into that race. And that was the race where I mentioned that I swelled up beforehand because mm-hmm. I was doing all the stupid stuff to the point like where I hadn't worn shoes for like three days before the race. Wow. I just wasn't okay. wearing it because I, I love being barefoot. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, race day. Went to put on my shoes. They didn't fit because my feet were so swollen. But I just kind of stuffed them into my shoes. So Ooh, by the time we finished, help. yeah, by the time we finished the beast, like my feet were literally bleeding because of it. So like the next day, I had to put on my normal tennis shoes to do the the, the second day because it was a two day weekend, and I was going for the trifecta. And I had to put my other my normal tennis shoes on because I couldn't even get my race shoes on. Because my feet were so swollen. So I ended up doing like in a pair of Skechers, I did the super in the sprint. So I did the full trifecta. But by the time I finished, like my, my literally, like the insides of my shoes were red because my feet were bleeding from all the cuts because of like my feet didn't fit. So, and it was, you know, once looking back at it, it's like, oh, it's because it, no, it's because I wasn't, I wasn't putting my body in training to be able to do that. I was just going off the fact that I'm stubborn. And I'm going to keep going, which only gets you so far,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I was able, I finished the trifecta. I got a trifecta on a weekend, but I paid for it. Like I said, I mean, the next morning we were like, Hey, let's go out to dinner. Like the next actually afternoon, let's go to dinner on this cruise, that thing that my wife had set up. And like, I could barely like put on like flip flops to be able to walk in them because my feet hurt so bad. Wow. And it's like you know I'm like shuffling my feet because if I lifted them and and like set them down, it would just I mean it was excruciating. And I'm like, why did I do this just for a stupid (laughs) medal?
2: Sounds like you need some Crocs. (laughs) But (laughs) I just got my first pair because I'm dealing with a fat pad issue. Yeah. And my coach, um, messaged me. He's like, get some Crocs. I promise they're they're game changing. And then I texted my other friend today and he knows that I bought some crocs and I was like, I mentioned something about like I don't have an ice pack for my heel even though I've sprained my ankles so much I don't have something specific for my feet and ankles and he's like crocs like I have crocs I promise. It's, not it's a running joke for us we all have crocs
1: I might have to so I, I've heard that from a few other people it's just like they're like it's game changer I'm like I don't know it's like I don't know what was that show with Sam Elliott and Ashton Kutcher where Sam Elliott was like his dad and Ashton Kutcher like was wearing Uggs and he kept making fun of him and then all of a sudden like one of the episodes you see that he like put
2: on the Uggs and the next
1: thing you know Sam Elliott's I'm like shut up <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was exactly how it was when I, I put do. on crocs for the first time I was like Damn it! I hate this. Yeah, These are I've so heard great. that from a
1: few people. People are like, "Yeah, you hate it," and then you put them on. You are like, of up. <laughs>
2: yep. Next thing you know, you are wearing Crocs out in public with like your fuzzy socks, and you are like, "I have no shame. Yeah. I do not care. I am either barefoot or I am in Crocs." Yeah. And it That's all true. depends on how my heel's feeling.
1: Yeah, I am barefoot. Like all the if I can get away with it, I am barefoot. The only time oh. I am not is, and it sounds bad, is if I am wearing jeans because my legs are so damn short. I can't get any jeans that actually <laughs> fit. So the like bottom of the jean ends up going under my foot. Yep. So I end, up with, yep. I end up bruising my heel from walking on the, the, yeah. the, you know, the, end of the, 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 the pants. So yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm barefoot 24 seven. And that's how I developed this little fat pad thing Well, that, and I was wearing boots whenever I'd go out that were so worn out that they just didn't have support and my wear pattern from last year was a little off so i replaced my boots i bought some crocs and i'm really focusing on getting this heel feeling better because i have very big goals for world's toughest mudder this year yeah. and i don't need heel pain to go along with it
1: yeah i was going say i'm still the only race i've signed up for is the sisu in june that's the only one i've got like definite in my schedule. There's a, I, I, mean, I know I want to do an Ironman, but like I said, I think the July one, but I haven't like, I don't know. I haven't pulled the trigger on any of them because I'm just everything else. I'm not sure what's happening. So it's like, hmm, the big goal is to see Sue and then I'll, I'll go from there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's, that's the big one. I want to have fun with that one, but it's like with everything else, not knowing on the personal stuff, or if I'm going to be here and, you know, somewhere else and all that, it's kind of a, one of those weird weird years, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one, but I need to figure out. get the 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 workout get back into the rhythm of what I was at. So I, I really think this year from pushing and not doing it the right way, I kind of messed myself up. so it's kind of need to get back in the correct rhythm and get going again.
2: So do you guys have a timeline on when you're moving?
1: Uh, kind of, I mean, in a way, but the problem is, is that originally it was all supposed to be kind of like, I was supposed to be going, you know, we talked to my work and maybe about opening an office down there, but that's no longer like happening. It sounds like, so it sounds like pretty much if I go, I need to own the job. So oh. that's going to be the, 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 interesting thing, but it's kind of okay. like we're, we're at a point of everything else is set. So oh. just do it anyway. So we're mm-hmm. thinking more than likely probably March is, March, right. April, so in a couple months, I mean, soon, but a lot of that's going to depend on you know whether or not I'm I'm able to find a job. But then it's hard to find a job when you're not there, right? No.
2: yeah, it, it's a chicken or the egg kind of scenario, yeah, yeah, like, well,
1: you're not here, and it's like, yeah, but I'm going to be, <laughs> yeah, so no.
2: okay. Well, at least you can kind of start planning that second half and say, I'm going, I'm racing down there yeah. after this so you can focus that the first half on you know your iron man say okay get you have your trail race you have your iron man those are your two focuses sure. and then the second half is ocr
1: yeah that was i'll be honest it was really tough for me though because i was looking at like the Ironmans. there's i think four in texas Oh, two, really? There's two in April. And I'm like, I could, no, no, you're not, not ready. April. Not April. Not April. It's too soon. Step back. You know, and the, my, my, my brain, of course, is like, oh, look. And there's uh, is one's a half and one's a full. And the full comes out of the town that we're probably moving to. It's it really that town. And I'm like, I'm not ready for a full. I mean, I haven't finished the half yet. So no. and I'm not ready. April's way too soon for, for a half, you know the fact that I've stepped back out of training.
2: If they are running it this year, they're probably going to run it next year. Yeah, I know. I know. So, and so, that's, it.
1: it's, it, but it's, you know, of course, that's the hard part with my brain. Cause that's, that's been typically me most of the time is like, oh, Hey, that race looks fun. Let's go do it. And that's like my first Ironman was that way. I did a triathlon and said, Hey, there's an Ironman in two months. Let's do it.
2: Well, you know, world's toughest mutter is in Texas
1: in November. So I'm definitely, I'm most likely going to be at that one.
2: Okay, good. Cause right now that's my goal too.
1: (laughs) So, and that's kind of what I'm, you know, it's, it's looking at some of those races that are down there. I've got a better, more options for races to do. It's just a matter of, you know, getting everything else put in place. And I don't want to Mm -hmm. have a whole bunch of stuff on the calendar and then get a job and be like, oh yeah, I can't have half these days off, you know?
2: So I'd say set your a races.
1: Yeah. And like I said, my a races right now is Sisu and I haven't decided, I, I keep thinking I want to do the Portland Ironman, but that's in July. It's mm-hmm. only a month after Sisu and Sisu, I'm not sure I'm going to have enough. I mean, I guess a month should be enough, but I mean, Sisu, depending on how much I push on that, if that's right. going to be enough time to to recover from Sisu to be ready for it. Right. Because I'm going to need to switch my training because Sisu is all trail running. So I'm going to be training more for trail running than, and and if I push back to the Seattle again, but that's kind of my, I've DNF that race twice. If, If I push back to that, that's September. So it gives me a little bit more time to be ready for it.
2: So you don't necessarily have to change your training that much. If you are training for the Ironman as your A race and then set the trail race as a B race, you you can use swimming, you can use biking as non-impact cardio. Mm -hmm. Trail running is going to prepare you for the Ironman better than road running for the most part, because it's going to provide you more ankle stability. It's going to provide you more aerobic benefits because of the technical terrain. You're going to have to learn how to control your heart rate with more demands on the body versus what that um, road running would be. So I'd say rain with the goal being the Ironman, but build up time on feet on trails. Mm-hmm. And build up time in, you know, your swimming, your biking, as you know, some non-impact cardio, just for continuing to build that aerobic base in the sense of the trail race as well. And those will all help towards the Ironman, but also help with the trail race. Yeah,
1: and that's one thing I need to look at the Oregon one. If the Oregon is the the run is on trail or pavement or or dirt, because the Seattle one's actually on trail. Really, the Iron Man. The run, the run is, it's a hard pack trail. Okay. That so I mean it's not paved, but it's hard pack. So I mean okay. it's still it's dirt, but it's not, you know, it's yeah. not you know what I mean. It's not really trail, but it's not really pavement either. Right. So it, it's kind of that in between. But it also gives a lot of you know you saw if you don't have good stability, you're gonna have issues on that. Right. So and that's but I don't know what Oregon's like. I just know what Seattle's like because I've been there. <laughs> Not to the run part because I've failed it twice now, but, um, <laughs> but, and that's kind of the thing that I keep thinking in my brain too, is I keep thinking, oh, do I want to do Seattle because I need to beat it?
2: No, because you have a complex with it now. I you know need, need to get the Iron Man away from that and then come back and beat it.
1: Yeah, I know. That's probably the better choice, but still drives me nuts that I've been at that stupid play so many times. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I know. Just, you will get it. I know. You will destroy it, but I think you need to build your confidence away from it, and say, you know, you are strong enough to be an Iron Man. Yeah. You are capable, and then once you have the Iron Man, you come in and absolutely demolish Seattle. Yeah.
1: It's not a bad. Point. Uh, that's a that's a good plan. So so yeah, I think I will. I think Oregon would be the one then, and that's in July. So. Or, I mean, I'm going to look. Maybe there might be another one. I was thinking Oregon because I have friends that are doing Oregon. But, you know, maybe I'll look and see if there's one closer where I'm going to be at in Texas during that time. So.
2: So how much time is there between the trail race and the Ironman?
1: Almost exactly a month.
2: Okay. So you would use the trail race as one of your big efforts in training. And then get another week or two of solid training before you taper. Yeah,
1: because yeah, this is the the 24-hour and just see how many miles you can get.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I would say, you know, give a, your body a little time to recover. Give, you know, pile on maybe a little bit more of your brick training. And then go into your taper. Yeah. Or Ironman. That's that is problem. how I would program my clients. Yeah, no. and so. just use the trail race to set a game plan going into the Ironman.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good place to gauge to on where I'm at physically and mentally.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: It, so, and then, yeah, it's just a matter of getting the bike. I got to go drop the bike off and get the. I, I'll be honest, since the Ironman, I haven't even been on it. Oh, wow. Because it just it's it needs work because I when I hit when I wrecked on the Ironman or fell over whatever you want to call it, <laughs> I I damaged the the back brake. So I've got to go get it fixed. But I've just been it's I, I think that race hit me, especially DNFing a second time a lot harder than I've ever wanted to admit. Yeah. So like I said, I haven't been I haven't been in the pool and I haven't touched the bike since that day.
2: Well, now you have your a race set, you know, yeah. when you're going to do it. So it's time to get serious.
1: Yes, it is. So it's time to get serious. So I think tomorrow I'm lucky. I have a, a day where I don't have a lot of work to do. So I think I'm going to take and drop the bike off to get the, the service done. See if I can get the back brake adjusted and fixed. So I can get the bike ready to start racing again. And then, yeah, get back to it and get going again. Awesome. Time to get serious. I got six months until the 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 A race, and that would put me seven months from the B or six months from the B race, seven months from the A race. Yeah. Yeah. Time to get going.
2: Yes. Sounds like a solid plan. You have time to build
1: mm-hmm.
2: for plenty of months, you know, get your strength, get all your injury prevention stuff, fix any body issues start building your aerobic base back up, and then add in more specific workouts as you get closer and honestly the training for the Ironman is going to carry you through that 24-hour trail
0: yeah,
1: yeah. right on awesome it'll be good it'll be good yes all right we're getting close to that hour we've this has been a good talk
2: it has I been. Do,
1: love having you just talking to you. It's like we go, and I'm not even really like, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like looking at the clock going, oh, shoot, we're hitting yeah. that out So, So yeah. um, it's always good. And it's always good and insightful. It's one of those things, a lot of things that, you know, in some ways, I know some of it where I'm like, I know this, but hearing it from someone saying, hey, dumbass.
2: Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, it helps to me reinforce stuff within my training. Yeah. Like with me planning world's toughest mutter. I went out and I bought, you know, a fitness notebook that I'm recording every single strength workout that I'm doing. So I know today I was supposed to do a shoulder workout, but because my max strength has been so crazy this week and very heavy on top of recovering from COVID and everything else, my body was like, Hey, you can't do anything today. You need, you need the recovery from strength. So I'm like, okay, I have to get my ch- my shoulder workout in, in one of these other days before I start back on back on Monday. So I have to do it. Yeah. And I also bought a notebook specifically for my running where I am logging everything. I'm writing what I'm fueling with beforehand, what I'm fueling with during with my heel pain, I'm logging, where's the pain level at, you know, before, during, after, what am I doing to recover it? And it's keeping me on task. And these talks are reinforcing that in me saying, you know, I have to practice what I preach. I need to stick, stay up on absolutely everything. I on the prize, I'm focused on world's toughest mutter, and every little thing I do right now is going to get me there. If I slip up, I have to jump right back on because that goal date is going to come whether I'm training for it or not. So I better be ready.
1: I like the idea about the notebook. I've never really done that. So I have yeah. notebooks everywhere. Cause for comedy, I'm constantly writing notes of like ideas for jokes and stuff like that. So I don't forget them and everything else. It's like, I always tell one cause I have the, my phone for work, my phone for personal. I'm constantly sending myself messages back and forth with notes to remember things. I'm like, if anyone ever saw that conversation, they'd be like, this guy's out of his mind. But, <laughs> yeah. No.
0: yeah. But that's one I, of
1: those things. I, I think a notebook to write down my, my workouts and to keep myself accountable, like, Also, maybe a calendar just to write down and say, this is what you're supposed to be doing today, because that's my biggest thing. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, "Hmm, what do I want to do today?
2: Yeah. And if for some reason I don't do what I had planned, I make a note as to why. And I put it on the calendar for the next day or whatever else. And I say, okay, because of this, I'm doing this instead or, you know, whatever else. Hmm. And I'm holding myself accountable.
1: I think I'm going to have to work on that and get that and set it up. And I think that's, that's not a bad idea. And just do a monthly, like write down on there, like at the beginning of the month, here's my plans for the month. And then just kind of move, you know, set it up so that I can keep myself accountable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect.
1: I like that idea.
2: Awesome.
1: Right on. Well, it's definitely good to talk to you. I always love our conversations.
2: Yeah, so. definitely. Me too. This is fun.
1: This was so. I can't wait. Hopefully, if I if World's toughest runner, if I haven't ran into you and in like in person someday by then, then hopefully we'll be, able to be at World's toughest runner and we can like actually have an in person.
2: Yes, definitely lineup. come keep me company as I'm running nonstop.
1: I'm I'm, I'm I want to <laughs> go for it too, and uh, that's one of the ones because I did Infinity up here this year. Okay, it was, it was the weekend after the Ironman, so I was wrecked, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, so I only made. I mean what i did the 15k and then i did like two laps of the 5k okay and then me and my buddy just started randomly walking around and jumping on an obstacle <laughs> <laughs> like whatever awesome. now we, we have the purple jerseys no one pays attention to what we're really yeah. doing so we just right to the front of the line and got to play on the obstacles it's like you know he hurt his ankle like on the second lap, lap too and i was wrecked and i'm like yeah let's just go play
2: <laughs> well I am going to bank on seeing you at world stuff is mudder and we will be cheersing. Yes. At the banquet the next day.
1: Yes, we will. It'll be a fun one.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: All right, good. Well, good talking to you and I will, I will definitely talk to you again soon.
2: Yes. Have a great night.
1: All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks
2: for listening to the Beastnet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast.